Welcome. You're listening to A Certain Degree. My name is Nick. Mark Fried and I cover a lot of ground on this episode, getting into the marketing world, the Orlando flag, and workplace happiness, to name a few. And you get to listen to it. Enjoy the episode. Sam Roberts on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to A Certain Degree. And uh, that was rarefied. And of course, that one of the reasons we played that was to say Happy Canada Day. <laughs> so we're in that wonderful time between uh, Canada Day and the 4th of July, sort of the twilight period between the two. We just had the summer solstice, starting to think about uh, going back to school at some point. Ugh, I'm exhausted already. Mark, I'm glad you're here because you bring a lot of energy to the room. So let's get you right oh, up on I? the mic. Okay. Yeah. Let's get you right up there. And uh, yeah, you do. Uh, so Mark, you're here. Mark Freed is here from a number of different organizations and a number of different initiatives. So we're going to talk about Think Creative. Great. We're going to talk about the Holocaust Center. Great. We're going to talk about Happiness Counts. Great. But first, I don't know you at all. <laughs> I mean, I've got to know you a little bit since you we and walked everyone over else here. Is listening. Yeah, uh, <laughs> since we uh, walked over from the coffee shop. But uh, so I want to get to know you a little bit better. And the best way to do that, obviously, is to ask random questions and see how you feel about those things. Obviously. And so rather it be word association, you're going to have two answers. One, if you're for something and one, if you're against. Okay. Now, put a lot of thought in this, Mark. So it would be the game would be cut bait or run. <laughs> okay. But, in but you know, case, I'm not a fisherman. So, well, cut bait to me is very positive because I, I've never been fishing. So I assume that means you're done. Like, with if your it was, Greek heritage and you've never been fishing, if that's it pretty. Was up to me, well, we go sponge diving. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. So good. there's a big difference there. A huge difference. So I would feel like after you're done fishing, you just throw the whole rod in. But apparently, you just <laughs> cut bait. That means you're done. You've caught enough fish for the day. Okay. Uh, I guess. So that sounds very positive to me. Running, as we've talked about on this show, the science supports it. It's bad for you. Nothing, <laughs> nothing about it is good. Did you read my bio? And I think you're, you know, I know you're a marathon science denier. And so that's fine. So you do marathons. You've done ultra marathons. You've done the Ironman three times. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm so, so that's why I said you have the energy to get me going this early in the morning. So what we'll do is we'll reverse it. Run is good. Run is good. Well, let me write this yeah, down. Yeah, yeah, so Run or something. Good. <laughs> cut bait is bad. Is I don't I don't agree with it. I'm not for it. You know, not necessarily bad. I shouldn't say bad. It's just it's not my cup of tea. Okay. It's not in my wheelhouse. It's All not right. my ballywick. I may or may not be able to handle this. Okay. <laughs> so Mark, we just had a big another big milestone uh, besides the two holidays I just mentioned was iPhone's 10th anniversary. So how do you feel about the iPhone? iPhone, you know, first of all, I'm a guy who kind of lives in this gray world. I, I rarely see things as either black or white or good or bad. So I'm gonna struggle with this game. The <laughs> iPhone though, I'm gonna have to say is a run. Is a run? Yeah. What's the thing you miss the most that you used to do before smartphones came along, iPhone or Android or otherwise? Oh my God, I'm embarrassed to say this, but the thing that I miss the most is just, being bored and thinking. Yeah. Just yeah. having some time and not going on it and yeah. just trying to spend time on there. Yeah. I'm a sucker like everybody else in, in standing in line at the grocery store instead of just kind of hanging out, reading the headlines on National Enquirer. I will yeah. hop on my phone just like or every talk other. talk to somebody. Well, no, not. Let's, let's not be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I miss, I, I kind of miss maps. 
Yeah, like actually looking at a map and trying to plan out a road trip or something along those lines. Now you don't even need to do that. Well, here's what's funny about that is I am notoriously bad with directions. Just ask any of my running friends, which may have been how I started running long distances in the first place. So you I didn't just mean get lost. To, yeah, you yeah. didn't mean to run a marathon. You were just... <laughs> it just so happened that I, I couldn't back. find my way back. Yeah, that makes sense. So that part of it, I actually love and truly appreciate it's funny because we'll be driving around literally driving around winter park and i'll punch an address into uh into the gps on the phone and, and steph my wife will be like are you kidding me you do not know how to get to public so i'm like well maybe gps knows a faster way <laughs> that's your excuse <laughs> that's my maybe excuse maybe gps knows a better way <laughs> all right so going back to the phone for a second voicemail how do you feel about voicemail run or cut bait oh cut bait for sure don't like it just no have no interest, no use for it. Text None. me or yes. email me. Yes, but... if, you're, if you happen to catch me while I'm by my phone and I answer the phone, that's awesome. I can't wait to talk to you. But, uh, yeah, don't bother leave me a voicemail. Very good. Uh, Technology-wise, space-wise, was a big week for space with uh, the White House and everybody saying they're going to give uh, a renewed commitment to it. How do you feel about colonizing Mars, run or cut bait? Uh, cut bait. No, you don't want to go? Yeah, well, you know, hold on now. It's not that I don't want to go. I don't think that we should colonize it. And I don't, you know, I know you told me not to talk about politics here, and this isn't really politics, but I'm just afraid that we would mess it up. You oh, know, no, that's that perfectly fine. We'll end up throwing styrofoam cups on the surface of Mars like we do in the mm -hmm. Grand Canyon, and that would be a shame. So let's let it be this pure, pristine thing. But, yeah, I'd love to go and check it go, out. Go, take I, some pictures. Yeah. But not so let's much. Let's just total, not build a Hilton there. Yeah, let's Nothing not total recall Hilton, it. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I like that. How about Instagram? And then following up on that, what is your favorite form <laughs> of social media currently? Um. I'm trying to get on board with Instagram because uh, my team's telling me that I need to get on board with Instagram. So I'm <laughs> so not your sure. Team, as far as Think Creative my goes. My Think Creative yeah, team. So marketing, I, PR. We do a lot of social media for our clients, and they're telling me that I need to have more experience on uh, on Instagram, among other things. But uh, so I'm not sure yet. I guess I'm going to say run because everyone tells me it's awesome okay. and I like looking at pictures as much as anybody else. So we're going to have you frame up the perfect shot in here to put <laughs> up on uh, on your Instagram. So what is your favorite social media platform? You know, I know that this dates me and makes me sound like an old man, but I, I enjoy Facebook. Yeah. So, yeah. Storytelling, being able to comment back and forth. Yeah, I like all, you blocking know. Blocking people. <laughs> blocking people, unfriending people yeah, who yeah, disagree yeah. with me politically. <laughs> I know it's shocking that anybody would disagree with me, but uh, um, yeah, I like Facebook. I, I like it because I, uh, I get good engagement, um, you know, start good conversation, good dialogue on yeah. there, more so than, than the other platforms that I've tried. But uh, I do know that uh, demographically it skews older, so yeah, so that's probably... <laughs> Not the best way to reflect on myself, but yeah, Facebook is probably the best one for me. Very good. Okay, so tomorrow we're going to have a lot of this fireworks. Run or cut back? Um, man, like I told you, I'm, I'm kind of in the middle on some of these things. I I guess I'll say run, you yeah. know. I think they're cool. Yeah, I like to see the fireworks. I get excited when I see those uh, explosions in the air. Explosion, and I have yeah. really fond memories from when I was a kid going there to the beach go. with my family and watching the, the fireworks. <laughs> wow, I'm going to date myself again, but I... Man, the logistics of it, getting down to, you know, the parking and the See, that's what crowds. bothers me at this point. Yeah, I just want my parents to take me again. 
Yeah, because it's now kind of a pain. Yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. That would be that would be the bad, the ideal scenarios for my mom and dad to just uh, take me back. Just to the drive. Beach. I'm gonna nap in the car on the way back. Perfect. All right. Speaking of explosions, how about zombies? Uh, cut bait. Not sure. so much yeah. as a storytelling tool or in real life. Yeah, none of it. You know, it's funny. I tell people I I love stories, and I'm thinking of myself as a storyteller too. Um, but science fiction and fantasy and that kind of thing, I, I yeah, it just doesn't doesn't float my boat. And so zombies. And it's funny because I have again folks in my office who love Walking Dead and other yeah, zombie apocalyptic stuff. I'm like, yeah, I just don't get. They're like, but the character development is so great. I'm like, they're dead. What are you talking about? So, <laughs> no, it's everybody else. It's the three <laughs> alive people on the show. There would be some zombie character development would be kind of a fun uh, way to go into a show. Uh, so this got, I think, blocked somewhere. I can't remember what state it was, but some states, some cities have enacted this. You're a healthy guy. You I... run, even though the science says don't run. Uh, soda taxes. How do you feel about trying to tax people into healthiness or something along those lines. Yeah, you know, even though I'm a, I am a huge uh, advocate for health and think that everybody should be doing as much as they can to be healthy, I'm going to say cut bait on that one. You know, I think that's not a place for the, the government to, to step in. But yeah, but maybe I'm a hypocrite because I have no problem with, uh, you know, taxes on cigarettes and taxes on some other things. It's a tough one because it's something, it feels so innocuous. Obviously, from a marketing standpoint, it's been yeah. part of our lives and part of yeah. the pop culture for such a long time. Time. You think of going to the movies and you think yeah. of hanging out at the beach or yeah. something along those lines. Yeah, I'm kind of on the fence on that one as well, but they just blocked it somewhere. They said they couldn't. It was about to go into effect. Yeah. Do they, are they still doing that out in California? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think California was doing it and I don't think that's where it got blocked, but it was in yeah. another state. Yeah. Uh, okay, so in 1886, on this day in 1886, Carl Benz drove the first automobile. Okay. How do you feel about driverless cars? Um, run or cut bait? For me personally, run, for sure. Oh, you'd be into it? Uh, yeah, and and not so much for the technology, but just because uh, I don't like to drive anymore. I'm just yeah. I'm tired of driving, and yeah. I don't get any joy out of driving, and I would be perfectly content to have somebody or something drive me everywhere I needed to go. Yeah, yeah. so I think the, the, the only joy for me a lot, because you don't get any better at it over time. Like, I am at the... <laughs> culmination of how good I'm going to get at driving, right? Yeah, Unless I'm, it's an emergency And I'm older situation. than you, so I've peaked and I'm on the downhill side yeah, exactly, of that. It's one yeah. more thing I'm over the hill on, right? <laughs> You're like four years older than me, but yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's only listening to music. It's only the things that, you know, so if I could take yeah. a nap, if I could read a book in the car, I'd be all for that. Yeah. So from a marketing standpoint and from uh, as an Orlando resident, how did you feel about the Orlando flag being redone? Um, I, I guess there's a lot to unpack there. So. There is a lot to unpack there. I wasn't a fan of, of how it was done. Yep. And um, I think that, you know, design and designers should be treated professionally. And I don't think they were treated professionally in that case. I don't know the inner workings. Like, I don't know what happened after the initial uh, designs were submitted. I know they, they narrowed it down. They went back to the designers. They made refinements. I don't know if any money exchanged hands at that point i never saw that there that there was so yeah so that part kind of bugs me a little bit mm -hmm. but um you know I, then i kind of watched i saw the, the some people in the community really got behind the whole contest thing and that was okay um uh and so i guess what do you think about the have you seen the final design i've yet? seen the final design and it I, still hasn't been approved right but how do you feel about it 
I think it's good. You know, I think better it's better than what we had. I couldn't, I can't remember what we had. Oh, okay. I'll show it to you in a second, but yeah, it was pretty I guess awful. I should, I guess I should have a reference point, shouldn't I, before I start spouting my opinion about yeah, something. Yeah, it was very cartoony. I think, you know, the weird thing is like, if you think about flags that you love, whether it's the, the Union Jack or the Stars and Stripes, mm -hmm. these are not illustrative, you know, kind of representational icon, icons, right? So these are symbolic right. flags. and. I just don't think you would have gotten there with this process, right? I mean, the on our the the, the U.S. flag means something. The stars mean something. The stripes mean something. The colors mean something. Instead, we have an illustration for our uh, for our city flag as opposed to it being something that you know symbolizes the the, the values of our community. Yeah, I liked I liked the more uh, esoteric ones. Right. I didn't like the literal ones. So the swan. The the fountain I didn't think spoke to me as much. It's way yeah. better than what we had. I couldn't find a picture yeah. easily. But and it's not that I don't like the design, or and I don't, or that you know I was, I you know, designers and creative people are notoriously critical of of everything. So sure, sure. Uh, so I could critique any of those designs. It wasn't that. It was that I think the process, if they had gone through, what we think of as the more traditional and better, I'll use as. A, design process, I think we could have gotten somewhere even more meaningful. Well, let me ask you this, because I read on your blog, it was an older post about what Florida did oh, I think, to yeah. encourage people to come to, to bring business <laughs> to Florida. Yeah. And it was an orange tie, right? Yes, so it was. All sorts of You did symbolism. your research. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all sorts of symbolism that I think I would disagree with as well. So I agree right. with you right. on that one. Um, I was thinking about it uh, from the perspective of Seminole County. Okay. So I don't know if you saw this, but it was about a year and a half ago that they decided to rebrand and they paid, you know, it's that classic story of a government paying an agency to do this. I don't know how right. they went out and got the bids or anything else. Right. But, you know, first of all, they got, uh, you know, a lot of bad feedback for it, for spending the money in the first place, because no right. a lot of people don't see the value of good marketing work, of good okay. agency work, of and we'll, we'll talk we'll, about that we'll, later. We'll argue about that later. Absolutely. No, no, no. And I'm, yeah, I don't think we'll argue at all about that. No, I'm just teasing. Um, but. but I think the thing was also, and I kind of made fun of them because they basically came up with the tagline was Orlando North. Right, right. And I was like, that's not, no, that's not going right. to work. But I got excited about the flag situation because I'd just come back from Chicago around this time last year. Right. It was the first time I'd seen the Chicago flag. And I've been there okay. a bunch of times, but yeah. I don't know if you've seen it. It's the two blue stripes and four red no, uh, six point stars in between. Yeah. So the stars represent the forts. The two uh, blue stripes represent the rivers. Yeah. Uh, done. Yeah. Nice and simple, and it's held up as like the ultimate in flag technology, basically <laughs> from a from a city perspective. Oh yeah, I get it. Because it's it's way so, and of course it's old too, so it's been meaningful for a number of years. Yeah. So the one we have now, which is very cartoony, was only in place and was from a contest from 1980. Right. Right. And so, yeah, so that's why I didn't feel anything for it. Yeah. So when I got back, I was like, oh, my gosh, what is the what does the Orange County flag look like? What does the, right. the Orlando flag look like? Can we use? And right. I looked at it and went, no, we can't use that. I mean, I know enough. I was a writer on the ad agency side, but yeah. I know enough about the design to say there's no way we can use this anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's, you know, it's it's hard. And, and like you said, you know, from a city standpoint or a public government standpoint, 
it's almost a no-win situation for them if they'd spent money, you know, paying an agency to right. do it. They would have gotten flack because they would have said, you know, where's the value in, in that? And then running a contest, then they get flack from from my industry, you know, saying why not know, have it professionally done? Right. And the other part of it is, you know, when when we work on a project like that or any project, we put a tremendous amount of research into it, and we do surveys, and we do, you know, just all kinds of different uh, ways to kind of get at you know, what's meaningful to people. And then the the flag is rooted in something. Yeah. Um, and when you run a contest, it's different. Yeah. And I can't draw. So mine ended up looking like a guitar chord, I think, something along those lines. Or was it the, uh, the criteria was that it, it goes on an index card. It has to be limited number of colors. Right. And yeah. could be drawn by a, a five-year-old, I think was one of the criteria, right. something like that. Right. Which I think the, which the is design... a little offensive to designers <laughs> to say that that's one of your criteria, but uh, yes and no, but it has to be simple guess, enough right. that it can be replicated and things like that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I don't and know went, that the new one does that exactly. Like, I don't know that I, I don't think. I yeah, could right. I don't think I could draw it either. <laughs> but uh, anyway, and again, not a knock on, on the new design, not more about the uh, the process. And yeah. I, I will, you know, the other thing is that anytime you do anything like that, you're going to, pe people are going to. You're going to get some flack. Yeah, people are going to pile on. That's, just, no, that's just how it there's happens. There's no right way to do it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So going back to design for a second, cursive. So you and I learned it in school. <laughs> Some states are bringing it back. How do you feel about it? Uh, I'd have to say cut bait on that one. Really? Yeah, not that I don't appreciate cursive or don't think that it's okay. Number one, I personally cannot write in cursive, even though, yes, I dedicated uh, yeah. a good part of my yeah. elementary school education to learning how to do it. It literally hurts my hand to write cursive. Um, I just think that there are too many other important things to say that, you know, that we should go back to teaching all kids how to write properly, quote unquote. So. Cursive and how to uh, pluck a chicken. And, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that sort of thing. There, there you Actually, go. Actually, that would be pretty <laughs> You good. and I are on the same wavelength there. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate that. How about sandwiches? Oh, for sure, run. For sure, run. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot now. Okay. Favorite sandwich in Orlando and where is it? Oh my gosh! I oh, I'm gonna need some time to think about that. Okay, That's we'll horrible. That That's one. horrible. We'll come back to that one. Uh, Runner cut bait the beach. The beach. You know, uh, this will surprise everybody except my family. I'm gonna say cut bait on that. Yeah. Yeah. I. Um, I. Too much sand. Too. Yeah. 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 I sound like a, right. I can <laughs> I can run across the state of Florida, but I don't like to sit on the beach because I get sand in my shorts. Right. How does that? How, how wimpy does that sound? Makes sense. <laughs> oh, I'm with you. The uh, I I have a I have a hard time just being patient and sitting on the beach and and relaxing and not doing anything. And yeah, I don't like the sand and I like to swim in the ocean, but I want to shower immediately after. <laughs> not because it's unclean, but I don't like the feeling of salt on my right, body. Right. Right. All right, so we'll, you'll, you'll edit that last answer out, right? Because that makes absolutely. me sound like a complete uh, yeah, yeah. wimp or something. Yeah, it's a good thing you live in Florida. No, it's yeah, cool. Exactly. I picked a good yeah. state to come Well, to. you're right in the middle, so you're <laughs> as far away from the beaches as yeah, you can right. be. Uh, how about tiny houses? I think tiny houses are cool. I'm going to go with uh, with run on that. Now, as you know, I got three teen teenagers in my house right now. So, so there's no way you could do it right now. Uh, yeah. I, well, yeah. you know what I would tell you is that with three teenagers in the house, Every house feels tiny. It's just point. like full. The house. So and not to mention a, a big dog and, and a cat too. But so you would have five tiny houses. <laughs> yeah, right. One, one for, for you each and your of wife, us. and then one well, for the yes, pets. Right there. You yeah. Go. Yeah. Um, I think they're cool though. I, I love the 
you know, when I read about it, see pictures or see, you know, videos about it, I love the aesthetic of it. I think they're, they're super cool. I love the organization of them, the thoughtfulness of them. Right. But, um, yeah, so I think they're kind of neat. All right. Very good. So we have some, uh, questions from past guests. Can you pick uh, pink or green? <laughs> I'll pick the pink. Okay. And you oh, are wait, going I, to read... Oh, I ask you a question? No, no, no. This is for you. Uh, you're going to read the one that isn't scratched out on the oh, other man. side. What if I see another one that I like better? Uh, no, no, no. You have to read that one. So this is from a past guest. <laughs> okay. What is the uh, question? I'm asking you this question. Oh, no, no, no. You're asking <laughs> oh, I'm asking this myself question. this question. Yeah. That sounds perfectly normal. Um, <laughs> my question is, what is happiness? There you go. That works out really well. Pretty appropriate because I do uh, regularly give talks and do consulting around happiness in the workplace. Uh, happiness for me is, that's an easy question to answer. Happiness is a process. Okay. Happiness is really a process. I I think that happiness is this idea of of waking up every day and making the most of your day and, uh, and doing the, the work that it takes to be happy. I think that happiness um, really, when we get down to it, is blurring those lines between the different parts of our lives. You know, so there are a lot of people who say that they work with the goal of being happy later or they or, you know, they work with the goal of doing something fun on the weekend or at night. Right, right. I'll finally get to the point where I can right. be happy later on. Right. And I'm there's just doing a, this for now. Yeah. And there's there's actually a whole study around that in, in U.S. culture that, you know, the U.S. mentality, and this may apply to other cultures too, but I specifically know about the U.S., is that we had this thought that we'll be happy when, we'll be happy when we get that promotion, we'll be happy when we retire, we'll be happy when we make more money. And then because of the way that we think is that once we achieve a goal, we just set the next goal. And so we're constantly putting happiness at, at the end and, and we actually never, or a lot of, a lot of people just never, ever get there. You know, my thing is that we should kind of, we should see our lives in a, in a more holistic way mm -hmm. and break down those walls, you know, you know, so I come on this show and I'm, uh, I'm the president and owner of Think Creative and I'm the board president for the Holocaust Center and I do this happiness counts work and I'm a triathlete and I'm a dad and a husband. And if I see all those things separately, then that creates tension between all those things. And if I kind of see this whole me and I stop, you know, kind of find a way to live my life where all those things kind of melt together. That leads to happiness. All right. Well, that was a really great question <laughs> for you. That was not planned at all, by really? the way. Yeah. Wow. So very fortuitous that you picked that color. And that was the executive summary of that. Uh, that That's awesome. Too. Well, we're going to get into it a little bit more because <laughs> right. there's a lot to unpack there. So let's play a song right now. Thank you so much for uh, getting to know you a little yeah. bit better. Was Mark. that 20 questions? Uh, it was around 20 around questions. 20, yeah, give yeah, or yeah, take. Yeah. Plus or 20 minus. 20-ish questions. <laughs> uh, so we're going to hear from Nico Case right now. This is This Tornado Loves You on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. If you need a little pick-me-up, a little more pep in your step, Go to your podcast provider and subscribe to your daily dose with Bob and Nick. The Bob in the show is Bob Kajas, an improv host and teacher at SAC Comedy Lab and a motivational speaker and organizational coach. The Nick in the show is the same Nick as this show, so you already know someone there. Your daily dose with Bob and Nick comes out every weekday, five times a week, and every episode is less than 10 minutes. Perfect for your ride to work or from work or near work. Now back to the show. 
Nico Case on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. This tornado loves you from her 2008 album, Middle Cyclone. A lot of weather-related things for uh, Nico Case. Good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to A Certain Degree. I'm back with Mark Freed. Good morning again, Mark. Thank you. Great being here. Thanks for being here. So I often say that I do this show for one person, and that's me. And so I get to have really cool people on like yourself and ask them questions and try to learn from you. So, wow. uh, could you say that again so my 19 year old son could hear you call me cool? Yeah, yeah, because <laughs> he's definitely listening right now. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, he's not sleeping in or anything. Uh, but I was thinking about you know, I, I'm constantly going over the stuff that I'm, I'm sort of challenged by, and uh, so I wrote down a few of them staying inspired and motivated, okay, writing on a regular basis, and sort of looking for new opportunities, not necessarily jobs, but ways right. I can help, way, new things I can do, you know, those sorts of things. And right. finish, right? So it's not just starting a project and then leaving it right. half done, but, but finishing it as well. So as a public speaker, as a small business owner, as the, the main business development guy, I would imagine, for yeah. your organization, yeah. uh, working on a couple of different boards, you know, yeah. you're the person I'm going to go to for these questions. <laughs> So I'm glad you're here these are today. All, these are all the same questions I have. So oh, Okay, great. I'm glad we're having that. But just to go into your background a little bit, what I found really interesting was uh, around 2000, right. you were really successful. You were, you were in a good job at a big agency. Yeah. Well, I mean, relatively speaking, right? Yeah. You, you had the stuff. No, I liked that. That was good. You <laughs> should have had to be happy, right? And you right. were going to work and you were try, you know, trying not to bang your head against the wall <laughs> yeah. every day. So you started your own agency. Yep. So let's pick up there because I think it's really interesting to think about uh, where you started and think about sure. Think Creative. Uh, and then we'll kind of move over to, uh, to Happiness Counts, if that's okay. Yeah, that's cool. And actually, I would take it back one further step. So, you know, so I know we have a limited amount of time, relatively speaking, but that was a kind of a complicated time in, in my life. Yeah. So um, I actually owned my my own business back in Louisiana. I grew up here in Central Florida, went to school in New Orleans, stayed in Louisiana for uh, nine years after that and had a business there. Because he couldn't figure out how to get out, I would imagine, of New oh, Orleans. Um, yeah. Of New, yeah, right. <laughs> there are, and I was actually west of New Orleans at that point and, and loved it. I was in Lafayette, Louisiana. And yeah. Phenomenal music scene, phenomenal food scene, phenomenal art scene, writers. It was just rich, rich territory, and I, and I loved it. So, uh, so my wife and I got married. Our oldest son was born there, and in 98, we decided to come back to um, – to, to Florida, be close to our parents and, and start raising our first son and then our, our other two kids. Um, so to get back, I basically, you know, dissolved my business there, took a job as a career director for a big agency here. And um, so there's a lot of change. My point is there's a lot of change going on in, in my life at that, mm -hmm. at that time. So, um, you know, was it the right cultural fit for me? I wasn't kind of, I was doing a lot of neat things in, in Louisiana and put a lot of those things on hold to, to come here. So, um, so yeah, so in 2000, I had the chance to, to leave that agency and, and, and start my own. So typically what I tell people is I started my company, you know, I, you're right. I climbed the ladder. I was a VP and creative director and, you know, traveling all over the world, presenting campaigns to these, to these big companies. And that's really heady stuff. And, um, but what I wanted was to be happy. I'm not sure I framed it that way at that time. I just knew that I didn't feel good. And so I wanted to make a living and I wanted to have fun doing it. That was my aim. 
How about that for a mission statement? Is that is that basically what Apple's mission that's, statement is? Right? That's yeah, how a great company gets lines, started, yeah. right? Something along those lines. <laughs> no, that's great. So then you went out and started your own agency, which isn't easy yeah. to do. Uh, you had some success there, and then 2008 yeah. rolled around. Oh, yeah. And that was challenging for <laughs> everyone everywhere. Uh, and I think that was where you got the idea, or that was part of the reason you went in the direction that you did with Happiness Counts. Yeah, you know, so it's so what's interesting, here's what basically what happens. So I, I always think kind of my business is 17 years old, and we've had these three very distinct phases, 2000, 2008, which was kind of, you know, starting the business and growing and kind of figuring out the path that we wanted to be on, starting to hire people. And, and everything went went really well for those eight years, but it all happened very organically. And, you know, things came to us and we grew and we responded to them and, and it was awesome. And then 2008 to 2010, which were the survival years. Mm -hmm. And man, that was a crazy time. Anybody who was around at that time knows that, you know, I was trying to survive, but I was also watching all of my my peers and the other uh, marketing, advertising, design firms out there. Many of them folding, certainly all of them laying off or um, or certainly not hiring. I only had one choice, which was to uh, to survive and to because there was no nobody was going to hire me if I if my business didn't succeed. But in 2010, when when we had survived and things were starting to get back on track. It's interesting, you know, so I was already 10 years into the business, and yet I think of it as that's the time that I became an entrepreneur. And I think that because that's when I got truly uh, intentional about what I was doing mm -hmm. and really thoughtful about how I wanted my company to be. Because I knew that even though we were good those first eight years, if I just kind of, you know, let things happen, then who knows what would happen in the future. But if I really put some kind of thought into the what I call the traditions and rituals of, of my company, then we could survive anything. And then... So then the happiness counts thing came about after, you know, a few years into that. So 2010 till about 2013, we were actually working on a program. So I don't know if a lot of people know this part of the story. I wanted to develop a happiness program similar to a wellness program that a company might have. Literally, sure, you invest in your people either way, right? Like it's not just investing in them in terms of healthy, but happiness as well. Right. And that was, so that was the whole idea. Like I... There was a, some so kind of nationally what was happening at that time were that uh, insurance companies were looking to basically this is the way it was driven right insurance companies were looking to save money mm -hmm. so they figured if they incentivize companies to uh, to keep their employees healthy then they would reduce their um, their their premiums and so companies were doing this not necessarily out of the goodness of their heart but to save a few dollars and I'm watching this and I'm going well. You know, if I tell all my team members that they all had to become triathletes or do the things that I was doing, they'll all just say no, because my team's never been afraid to say no to me. That's right. that's part of my great leadership and style. Again, all the marathon science says, <laughs> yes, don't right. do it. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, so my thought was, why don't we, why don't we uh, encourage, and inspire people to find their happiness and and happiness and health are 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 are, are aligned always. So if we stop framing it as, oh, you need to walk so many steps a day or you need to cut out cars, but instead aligned it as, you know, you need to pursue your creativity and pursue the outdoors or pursue whatever that thing is that makes you happy. Mm -hmm. The health part will naturally come. 
and you'll be a better team member and all this. So we started actually building a web-based platform to, uh, you know, to incentivize people to, to find their happiness. We then got super busy and had some hurdles around the programming of this thing. And then I got invited to go speak at a client's retreat. I'd done all this research on happiness, knew all the ins and outs of, of why it mattered and, 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 uh, and how it applied in, in the business world. And so I took all that research and I created this presentation that then kind of snowballed from there. And I gave that first talk in 2013 and have since given it at least a hundred times since then. So well, there's obviously a lot to unpack there and I appreciate your time this morning and I'll probably have 1400 <laughs> follow-up questions. But what I think is interesting is the way you described uh, from 2010 as that was the first time you felt like an entrepreneur. And yeah. what I think is interesting is that you know, you're, you and I are Gen X, right? And yeah. so this whole idea of uh, the millennials needing all these things and being more socially conscious and things like that, it yeah. almost, the way you're describing it sounds a lot like somebody who is more of a social entrepreneur, right? Like you're not doing this for profit. Right, right. Well, and man, so I'm, I'm glad you said you don't mind going off in tangents because no, we'll, we'll do the whole thing. Yeah. I love love the concept of social entrepreneurship. And if I were to start my business today, I would absolutely deem it, uh, you know, a social entrepreneurial uh, enterprise. It just didn't exist in yeah. 2000. So, you know, that's, I love the folks in town who are doing that. And, and I'm always interested in engaging them and talking to them and, and hearing about them. They're younger than I am. So they kind of have this different mindset when they started their company. You but, should tune in next week because Chris Castro is going to be here. Yeah. Well, Chris is one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, Chris and, and I don't ben know Hoyer and yeah. Julie Colombino. I mean, these people are doing amazing things and, and, you know, not to, give myself too much credit, but I've always thought that too, that we have the community is one of the, one of the markets that we serve. And we certainly don't make any money doing that, but we give back to the community and we have very specific rituals around which we, we give to the community and that's instilled in our culture and everybody who works for us knows and works with us, uh, on the outside knows that that's part of, of who we are. But yeah, I love the concept of social entrepreneurship. I, the two other things I always say that as a business owner and leader, or maybe just as a human being, I would say, uh, is that we have both an opportunity and an obligation, an opportunity to have impact and change lives, and perhaps even an obligation to do so. And I look at my role as, as you know, with through, through those two lenses. Well, and that's great because I think a lot of organizations give that lip service, right? Like, oh yeah, and we do this and we support this, but it's really no more than yeah. to say that we do this, but they're still on that work hard, play hard mode where it's yeah. uh, the separation of church and state. Yeah. And that's, you know, listen, you know, culture, and I'd like to think that I've, you know, unearthed some, some brilliant, you know, strategy for achieving happiness in, in the workplace. Uh, a lot of it's simply driven by how I'm wired and people are either kind mm -hmm. of attracted to that or they're not attracted to that. And that's, and that's fine. But, you know, my idea of happiness is not doing shots after work. My idea of happiness is doing something meaningful while I'm working, while you're working and yeah. meaningful at the end of the day and meaningful yeah. in the, in the morning and just kind of putting all those things together. And so that's where our culture comes in. And again, looking at those first 10 years, that just kind of happened because I was trying to, you know, live this, this full life. And so I was trying to encourage the people around me to do so. Now we have 
some very specific, and I can talk about those things too, some of which I think are the more innovative and creative things I've ever done, creating these kind of rituals and traditions. But it, just to kind of kind of tie it together, so Happiness Counts became this, uh, you know, giving talks, doing facilitation, consulting, creating strategies around this, the ideas that lead to happiness in the workplace, using our own company and companies I've worked with as mm -hmm. examples. And that's kind of how all that's packaged. It's sometimes I describe my own company as kind of this, um, this social experiment that I get to try things out on a, <laughs> on a wonderfully accepting group of people. I'm sure your employees feel, oh yeah, please, we're guinea pigs. That's great. <laughs> well, when you say it like that. <laughs> but, well, you know, they're great people. So I'm like, hey, let's try this and see if this works. And and listen, they, they're they not shy about speaking. I'm going, no, that's not a good idea. Or, yeah, we'll give that a try and see if it or works. I, I think what's more important is, well, what about yes? And what yeah. if we did it this way? So that's what I think is good, too, is that, yeah, yeah you might be coming up with these ideas. But if you don't have any sort of peer group or some people to bounce the ideas off of and get some feedback and adjust yeah. and evolve, yeah. then it's just going to be. Uh, those ideas coming out. So yeah. what I would encourage everybody to do is actually go onto uh, YouTube and find your uh, one of your speaking engagements sure. on it. I watched the one for Leadership Winter Park, sure, yeah. uh, which I thought was really good. The I did want to bring up something else regarding that, though, is you talk about you go into a lot of detail in terms of why companies should be doing it. And when you're talking about happiness counts, it feels a little touchy-feely. <laughs> right? It does. Yeah. Uh, right. Especially if you're, you know, of a certain age, right. especially if you're uh, but you have a lot of data backing it up in terms of the cost savings yeah. and, and everything else. What I thought was really interesting was the the three reasons you gave as far as why companies may not look into this. And, you know, they don't believe necessarily that it matters. Right. Uh, they think that it's completely separate, like we talked about. Right. It's just a church and state situation. Right. You work and then maybe you're happy later on or they have no idea how. Right. And the right. thing I wanted to ask you about is, what I've noticed is there's always, especially on the ad agency side, there seems to be like a, a cultural capital that is the okay. most important thing in the agency. So I worked at one place where it was the creative project. Right. If you weren't working on something that was deemed creative that might be uh, admitted or uh, submitted for awards and stuff like that, right. you're working on something that may make and pay the rent and keep the lights on, but it's not creative. It doesn't matter. Right. Right. I've uh, worked at agencies where uh, the... Uh, you know, the, the subscription based or the money coming in the retainers, that's the most important thing, right? Is that, uh, you need, you know, the, those sorts of things are the most important. Right. And so I think I always feel like that's part of it as well, is that if you're basing your company on the wrong thing, if that cultural capital doesn't work, right. Then happiness has a really hard time fitting in. Yeah. Because that, you know, creative work doesn't necessarily get me up in the morning and, Making sure we have recurring revenue doesn't get me up in the morning. Right. So how do you talk to people about that yeah. or have you ever had that come up? Yeah, sure. So let me address a couple of things specifically about our industry, the advertising or design industry or creative industry. So those two kind of cultural paradigms that, that you describe, and I've worked in both of those, uh, the, the, both of those cultures too. So the one where the creative is everything creates a rift between the creative team and the account and media team, right? Because the creative team are this, these funky group of artists who come in in their goatees and, and jeans and, and whatnot and, and get to do all the good stuff. And the other, everyone else serves them. 
mm-hmm. right? That's not a healthy environment. So it creates conflict there. And the other environment where the uh, the recurring revenue, the uh, the retainers drive, and it's all very bottom line, uh, bottom line based, means that the account team is now driving everything and the creative team serves them. And that's not a healthy environment. So somehow we have to create a culture that, um, you know, that, that brings everybody together, makes everybody feel like a part of the, the success of the organization. And that's really where our focus is. The other thing is, you know, I don't think this is unique to advertising agencies, but there's a, you mentioned this, this work hard, play hard thing, mm-hmm. right? So a lot of companies are set up so that, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to drive, drive, drive my team and I'll probably motivate them through financial incentives. And then, and then we'll all go to happy hour and do shots afterwards. Right, right. So I've treated you pretty badly all day. I've driven you to the brink of, of exhaustion and to the brink of your sanity. But here now I'm going to buy you shots or going to bring around the margarita card on Friday or <laughs> exactly put yeah. a ping pong table in, in yeah. the break room. Like, well, that's not right either. If you're not, I'm getting no meaning out of these, you know, 8, 10, 12 hours of my day, but then we'll go spend an hour getting, you know, going to the bar. And after a whole day with you, you're probably the last person I want to hang out with. <laughs> Me personally. Anywhere. You personally. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, we were, right. you were in the sort of example yes, of the I'm work thing. Easy, right. I'm, I'm literally here. Yeah. So, you know, so my thought is, and again, this is why I said before, a lot of this can't help but be driven by, you know, my own personal values. That's not appealing to me, especially not at this point in my life. What mm-hmm. I want is to find some sense of meaning and purpose in, in everything that I do. And so- that's our goal is is that everybody comes to the office and we're all collaborating and we're talking and we understand that yes we need revenue to make this thing run yes we need great creative work yes we need ideas and all of this kind of happens together and we celebrate along the way and we have each other's backs and we appreciate so our goal is to have this uh you know this more holistic culture um where it's not either or but yes and as you said earlier mm-hmm. in the in the uh improv, improv sort of, world uh, right yeah and um and right so and so that's what we're trying to to do every day and the other thing that i tell people is that um it seems simple but it's not easy is that how i put it it's not you know it means coming in every day and and making that happen it doesn't happen by accident it doesn't happen on its own it's everybody contributing to that being the you know, kind of the shared vision of what we're going to be like. Would you say a big challenge would be whoever this person is, is sort of spearheading it. In this case, it was you is sort of, uh, I guess for lack of a better term, being the cheerleader for it. Yeah. You know, I think there are a lot of different kinds of, of leaders and so different types of leaders, different personality types play different roles in this process. But uh, honestly, the most important person is not the the leader, but what we sometimes refer to as the first follower. So gotcha. who's who's the person within the organization that goes, yeah, that's cool. Let's uh, let's do that. Or, yeah, that's a, a good idea. I'm going to make that happen. And you have to threaten them, right, to be that person. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think of my own motivation <laughs> style, and yeah, that's right. pretty much it. Um, yeah, I'm not a real threatening <laughs> as, as my, my kids and my, my team members will tell you, that's, that's not, uh, typically how I, how I motivate, but 
It is the most important. And and when I bring this concept up to people who haven't heard it before, this concept of the first follower, and I'm not the one who invented it by any means, um, you know, like nine times out of 10, a person immediately goes, oh, yeah, I know exactly who that is in my team. And I know exactly who it is on on my team. And, and I'm fortunate that she's been with me for, for a long, long time. Yeah. And in, on my team, she's the kind of person who will either champion an idea that I bring to the table and she'll, she's the one who will make it go viral, for lack of a better word, or make it become a part of our culture. Or she'll be the one to say, nope, that's not going to work here. And I know that I need to move on. Sometimes I'll, I'll beg and, uh, and plead and, uh, and then later find out that I'm wrong. But that person is the person who, who takes it from being something that's uh, dictated or mandated by the leader yeah. to something that is simply a part of our culture and, and that we all do naturally. And I don't want to give away your whole talk, but uh, there was what was an interesting point in the talk that you gave was you had this idea for something, and right. she sort of changed it a bit. Right. So this person is Diane Levine. Yeah. I, I, yeah. 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 You know, and she's she's this incredible part of our organization. Incredible part of my life has been with us for I think twelve or thirteen years. I can't remember. But right. So I this was actually right after we were coming out of the recession and we were starting to pick up new clients again and starting to get more intentional. And I came to the to her and I said, you know, we need we need some new tradition around uh, around how we bring the team together and start enjoying being together again because we had changed uh, going through the through the downturn. And she came up with this idea of unexpected accessory and adventure lunch day, which, as I typically say, was about the most ridiculous idea I'd ever heard. And I knew that after, after a little bit of, uh, of thinking, um, I knew that she'd come up with a great idea and we do it to this day. So it's been, we just had you all day last week. It mm-hmm. was, uh, it was, was cr- it was Christmas in June. Our, we gave our, our, so every, we do it once a month now and someone different comes up with the theme and our, we gave it to our interns to decide they came up with Christmas in June. Being a Jewish guy in Orlando, I had a little trouble with that, <laughs> that theme, but I figured it out. Um, so it was Christmas in June. We ate at the new Ace uh, Cafe or oh, whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. And so the idea is that we have an accessory, that we all wear an accessory that we that has something to do with the theme. Yeah, and as a sparking, interesting conversation with our team, we have fun with it. And then we go to some restaurant that... We used to say that nobody had ever been to before as the team's gotten bigger. Now it's just got to be the majority of the team haven't been there before. Right. That's a good thing. You're in Orlando. There's something new just about every month. And we call it so unexpected accessory and adventure lunch day. We call it you all day. So where are the pictures of these days? Because I got to imagine there's some embarrassing (laughs) hats and things of that nature somewhere. We used to be a lot better taking pictures. There are a lot of pictures actually up on our, on our Facebook page, especially of of the early years, Uh, boot day and scarf day and stripe day and whatever other, uh, what's the one from, I can't remember, Uh, flare day. What was flare from, from a movie? Uh, Office space. Yes. So we had flare day. 17 pieces of flare or whatever it was. Exactly. So. Well, good. Uh, Well, I can keep picking your brain forever, but we're actually at the end of the first hour. Okay. So we're going to play a song. I know. I know. That's how charming I am. (laughs) Uh, We're going to play a song that I think is very American in nature. Uh, It is the Magnificent Seven theme, but it's by Tito Rodriguez. And so we're going to hear that. And we're going to come back with, and I apologize in advance, bad business ideas. Uh, so, Mark, stick around, and you're listening to a certain degree on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida.
every week. That's how often Nick is on the radio with amazing people from around Orlando. There are community leaders and dancers, improvisers and photographers, entrepreneurs and authors, and many, many more. If you like what you're hearing, consider subscribing to the podcast, or if you already subscribe, follow the show on social media. If you do both of these things already, don't stop. Believe in. Now back to the show. They might be giants on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida, the best in basement radio and the voice of Rollins College. You're listening to a certain degree. I'm here with Mark Freed from Think Creative and a number of other organizations. Good morning again, Mark. Good morning. So we've got a few to talk about and we'll have time for that. But first, uh, we do have to do bad business ideas. All right. And I thought it would be really interesting to have you on and talk about you know, it's been about a year since I started doing these. So I have around a hundred of these <laughs> ideas lined up. You know, for some reason, past guests are not running with any of them. Really? Even though I tell them they're legally obligated to, just like you are. <laughs> After hearing these two wonderful ideas, I'm sure you're going to be fine with it. So I was thinking maybe the branding is off on it. So they are called bad business ideas. Right. And so that BBIs. might be. Yeah, BBI. So I got right. a, I had a couple of logos made TM. up. Yeah. Because I think branding is important. <laughs> uh, and I actually had a, a song uh, made as well. So here, let's listen to the song real okay. quick. Uh, let's see. if I Jingles can... are in these days. Yeah, so, I think yeah, so. so let's, uh, let's throw a jingle out there. It's time to be just one. It's going to be totally legal. We hope it won't hurt anyone. So come on and some fun. So what'd you think of that? All right. So we've got logos. We've got uh, the song. And I had a couple of taglines I wanted to run past you. Sure. Uh, so fits in startups, starts in crafts, or artsy startsy. <laughs> Any of those uh, kind of uh, leaning towards or. Give me, give me the first one one more time. Fits in startups. That's <laughs> Okay, we'll go with that one. <laughs> what uh, was it? Well, I like the last one too. Archie starts. Archie starts. <laughs> That's pretty good. No, okay, like well, maybe we'll switch them around. That's They're the kind bad of thing. business ideas. So yeah. why not have multiple taglines and logos and stuff like that? I think that'll work. Yeah. R.C. Starcy is the one that I would have come up with at my desk and then run out into the middle of the studio and told everyone, I got this great idea, guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you want to hire me to come up with any bad business ideas for your office or for Happiness Counts. I love it. I'm there. I know the guy. <laughs> Mark, may I call you Mark? Yes, you may. Great. Uh, have you ever been out with some friends and everyone is taking turns maybe buying around? It could be donuts for the office. It doesn't necessarily have to be, obviously, drinks or something like that. Uh, and then maybe somebody Welsh's on their responsibility. <laughs> somebody leaves uh, too soon before it's their round. Have you ever had that happen to you? Um, no, but I can imagine it. Okay, good, good. <laughs> well, because now you won't ever have to experience that again. Awesome. We're going to create a new app for your phone called Loud and Beer. And everyone <laughs> involved in the rounds and buying a round opts in. So you all have to do it and right. you sign up. It's like a little mini group within the app. And so if somebody tries to bamboozle the group, everyone else takes control of their phone for 24 hours. Oh, wow. That's not where I thought you were going with that. Okay. Oh, where did you think I was going with that? Well, I thought that you were going to make it so that you tied your PayPal account to this app and it automatically billed you for that round when it was your turn. Oh, so that's you have no a choice. better idea. See, this is why I think you're going to be great 
for this. So the way I like the idea of shaming the other person <laughs> yeah, into doing it. I, I thought that might be where you're going with this. Being Greek, uh, yeah. So it's really like there's two motivations for me is revenge and regret. And so this would fall simply into the revenge column. Okay. So let's say the three of us, you buy a round, uh, me and the other fellow swipe right on you. So you're good. So it's like a little bit like Tinder in terms of the uh, the basis. I, Just so you know, I've been married for about 20 years, so I have so zero no experience idea. with Tinder. But I think I, you've heard I have the heard. term swipe right and swipe left. <laughs> yes. uh, then it's the other person, and we swipe right on him. And then it's my turn, and I suddenly have to leave. So you both swipe left, of course. Okay. So let's do a quick role play here. You be Matt, and I'll be Locke. Because okay. I was watching some of that last night, and I was like, yeah, that'll be good. Uh, it's the day after we went out for a drink, and I didn't buy the round I was supposed to. So in the first scenario, right. the first scenario, I we won't have loud and beer as an app. Okay, gotcha. Okay. Right. Hey, Matt. I'm hey, Locke. Right. Yes. Uh, hey, uh, how was the rest of the evening last night? Um, it was Good, but uh, you know, a little tension there after you left. What? Yeah. Well, I don't. You know, I know that you'd had a couple of beers, but it was your turn to buy the round, and um, suddenly oh, you were man. nowhere around. Uh, oh, I feel terrible. I'll get you next time. And scene. So that's yeah, what happens right. when you don't have the app. Right. Right. Like that's a terrible conversation. You're probably never talking to Locke again. Right. Even though, he owes, even though he owes, owes yeah. us a round of beers. Yeah, right? the friendship okay. is on the rocks. Right. Basically. Okay. Now, and that's a shame because Locke is a great guy. He's a great guy. He contributes a lot to the group. So right? much. Yeah. And that's the only way that you guys can be like when you guys are playing foosball together, you can be Matt Locke <laughs> as a team. Yes, I, uh... So that's just a waste. <laughs> now you're going to have to find another friend named Locke in order to do that. Okay. So now same scene. Okay. Except loud and beer. Uh, hey, Matt, listen, you've been making my phone do burping sounds all day, like in the middle of meetings and everything else. What's what, Why are you doing this? How did you get control of my phone? Well, it's funny you should ask. <laughs> I'm not sure if you've heard of this new app called, what's it called again? Loud and Beer. Loud and Beer, sorry. Was... Oh, yeah, I signed up for that last night. I didn't really. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, see, you guys stop you, doing that. Yeah. I'll buy you a beer. So then you could even, yeah. okay, scene, and you could even <laughs> hold it hostage and make him pay more to get his phone freed up. Okay. So any other questions for that one? Uh, no, I think I got them. <laughs> <laughs> you think you would think that. Yeah. Okay. So uh, idea number two, Mark, we live in a, in a foodie town. It's a great time okay. to live in Orlando in terms of the number of different options that you have and the great great food that we have here the talented people yeah the cuisine that's inspired from all over the world uh you know i know what you're thinking we should just list them all on the air because they're all fantastic but mark every one of them mark there's just not enough time i'm so sorry some other time okay? because i talked so much is that well, what you're saying yeah, that's basically <laughs> what i'm saying in any case what's the biggest problem with all the local delicious wonderful eateries if there's only one problem with them if there's only one problem with them, that we don't have enough time to try them all? That is exactly where it's going. They're not open 24-7. Yes, that's so what I've meant. It's 8 p.m. and you want something from Seven Bites. <laughs> you can't get it unless you break in, which I'm right. not advocating. Mark, Seven I'm, Bites isn't open past 8 p.m.? Uh, I think they close at 3, 3.30. Oh, okay. yeah. There you go. Midnight and you want some olive loaf from Old Hearth Bakery? Can't get it? Yep. 
Buttermilk bakeries closed on Mondays. I can't go to Buttermilk Bakery right now. You know how angry that makes me? <laughs> Not that angry. I mean, I could go somewhere else, but still, it's Buttermilk Bakery. Yes. Again, Mark, we can talk about all of them and their hours, but we just don't have time. So, gotcha. Slow your roll there. Okay. Uh, what if there was enough time, though? Okay. Not to talk about them. What if we started a new subscription service, a hyper local one here just in Orlando? So we'll go to PS for Pie. We'll go to the Juice Bar and Drunken Monkey for their suits. Yeah, of course. Yep, yep. All the places and store the deliciousness for later when subscribers are jonesing for it. Okay. So the idea is that, you know, we get some desserts, we get some mac and cheese, we get some soup. And as a subscriber, you'll be able to go on to maybe an app again right. and look at what we have for that evening or that next day right. when something's closed. And you'll be able to order it for delivery. So it's like... Not, I don't want to say it's like Uber Eats because it's only when you couldn't go to that store when it's not open. So gotcha. you want something, you see there's a dessert there, you order that up. So it's subscription. You order it in advance? Or you no, order no, it? you just order it. Like okay. this is our stock for the evening. Yeah, it may not be the full menu, but right. you'll be able to get something. This from is what we have. Your favorite restaurant. That evening, yeah. And so you're yeah. not doing Uber Eats from McDonald's or something like that. You're getting some pretty high quality stuff. Gotcha, gotcha. You're a subscriber, so you get, you know, you pay a certain amount every month to have access to it. And then there's a delivery and a food charge for that. Yeah. And, and at some sort of point, there's like a, a crowdsourcing piece of it where you recommend what items they should be stocking for the could after be. hours, could right? Be. Yeah, right? it could be like a weekly little box of something. And it would right. come with recommendations on how to reheat. Right. Uh, because, you know, the croissant from the morning may not be as fresh. So what do you right, do with right, it? Right. Uh, so right now, uh, I feel like most of these cravings will be at night. So I'm calling it Bite Owl. I like that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's the idea behind idea number two is the okay. subscription base. So now, Mark, loud and beer bite owl do yeah. you have any questions do you have any other ways to improve these ideas which one are you and possibly think creative and happiness counts right sure both right. of these As would make people happy they, absolutely yeah uh <laughs> which one will you uh get behind uh monetize and provide all the capital for well first of all i see value in both of these ideas of course <laughs> It's the hallmark um, of a bad business idea. Bite Owl I have a hard time with because since I tend to work out early in the morning, yep. I'm typically in bed by 8 o'clock, so I have no uh, – I usually don't run into that problem. Gotcha, okay, maybe 8 is a little bit early, but uh, <laughs> but thereabouts. Uh, um, but I can I can imagine, especially with uh, you know my, my teenage kids understanding how that would be – a thing you know they have a much different schedule than i have but i think i'm going to get behind the first one loud and beer loud and beer i don't know why i can't remember that name but yeah it's not like it's very catchy or you know a cliched phrase that yeah, I it's, chose it's, for that it's reason. neither of those things um yeah i think loud and beer that's something yeah i think that there are a lot of people who struggle with that with having someone uh not pay for their uh, for their round so i think so, that's the one okay so but are I, you going to go the embarrassing route or are you going to go the the paypal route which i think is genius I, yeah well i mean genius may be overstating things unless you're my mother but um i don't know why she keeps coming into this conversation probably because yeah. i saw her yesterday could be the reason and uh yes um yeah i'm not really a shaming kind of guy you know i don't think mm -hmm. that's i don't personally don't like to be shamed 
Uh, see, that's part of it. I'm afraid that I might be that guy. You who, might end up accidentally. Yeah, and I to don't run. want, yeah. you know, my cell phone burping all day while I'm in uh, in meetings trying to conduct very, very important business. Sure, sure. Um, Just throw your phone out the window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, but yeah, I can see that being a real thing. I do like, you, you heard of this thing where um, when people go out, you know, we talked about cell phones earlier today and, and, uh, and why they're, you know, the pros and cons of them. This thing where everybody puts their cell phone on the table and whoever picks up their cell phone first is one who pays the for the lunch or the oh, round of beers. I love that. That's you like put a it thing. face down. Yeah, right. And so, you know, so you and I and our two buddies, Matt and Locke, go go to lunch and we're having this great conversation and whoever picks up their phone to check their their text or their Instagram feed or whatever, uh, in the middle of lunch, that the first person to do so has to pick up the bill. I like that. That's a good thing, right? So, uh, yeah, because too many. How do we us, monetize that? How do we? I don't know how to monetize that, ideas. but that that feels like it's in the same realm as yeah. loud and beer. Um, so yeah, so I think loud and beer is the one I'm going to get behind. But I do think it ought to just be paid uh, tied to your PayPal account, and you All automatically right. get charged. All right, you're taking sort of the bad <laughs> out of the business idea, but that's fine. I'm taking the shame out of the <laughs> yeah. All right, All right the shame well, out of the game. Yes, I, I just uh, came up with that. You can uh, use that if you want. We put the shame in the game. Yeah. I like it. Okay. So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. I'll expect to see a prototype in the next, I don't know, month or so. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I'll get right on that. Good, good, good. All right. So let's listen to some music. We're going to play the uh, Gaslight Anthem, actually. I think you'll like the song. It's called Film Noir on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. You're listening to a certain degree. You have an event and want to jazz it up by at least 20%. Then you need a typewriter table from Card and Fast. That's right, Card and Fast. Also, a typewriter table. Card and Fast will show up to your market, your baby shower, birthday party, anniversary, wedding, or any other event with typewriters, ribbons, paper, and cards for you and your guests. They can create well wishes for the happy couple, poetry for friends, thank you notes to their elders. It's a lot of fun and super affordable. Learn more about getting typewriters set up at your next shindig at cardandfast.com. Now back to the show. And that's why I have a beard. Because <laughs> that scar. Yeah. Oh, hey, we're back on the air. Hey, good morning. My name is Nick. You're listening to WPRK, and you're listening to a certain degree. Mark Freed is here. I uh, just got a text that uh, somebody agreed with you. On the uh, idea really? for loud and beer, yeah, really, wow. Yeah. So nice job there, thank you. And uh, so shame, apparently, not as much of a motivator <laughs> as I thought it would be to make people pay up. It is kind of extortion, though. Like we won't release you the control of your phone until you yeah, pay up. You know. So that is the hallmark again of a bad business idea. It feels like a good idea when you're thinking about it happening to somebody else. Yeah. Then when you think about it happening to you, then all of a sudden you're like, eh, maybe not. Yeah. It's like prison. <laughs> it's, it's very much like prison. Yeah, I get that. So Mark Fried is here. Think creative. Uh, happiness counts. Also the, uh, uh, what do you, board chair of yeah, the Holocaust, the Holocaust Center. Center. Yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a few cool. minutes. But uh, first I want to, so I ask all my guests about their favorite band. So I'm always interested in, you know, how they got into that band or, yeah. or when they listen to it. Some people say they can't choose, so they give me a range. <laughs> Some people have said it's not really a band. I have favorite movies, so that sort of thing. So you went classic rock, and you went with oh, the Who. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, they're. I'm, I'm sorry to say, in case you didn't realize it yet, <laughs> they are classic rock. Uh, my my oldest son says to me, he goes, you know the problem with your radio station? There's never anything new on there. <laughs> Which I thought was a really funny thing to say because I tend to listen to. So I put some music on your CD. So some of the music I've played today is sort of newer bands that have that sort of classic rock sound. Yeah. So Gaslight Anthem is one of them. Yeah. Um, if we have a chance to listen to it, there's a little Wolf Mother on here as well. Uh, but the idea is that, yeah, it's also, it's not just the classic rock sound, right? Because you could listen to new music that sounds like old music. Yeah. It's the time in your life that you heard it. Yeah. And really, you know, it's so when I started listening to The Who, The Who was introduced to me by some older friends of mine when I was a young teenager, when I was like 13 or 14. So it was kind of like, you know, The Who wasn't necessarily popular then, but I had some older friends who were listening and they introduced me to The Who and then ultimately to the Rolling Stones and then to Led Zeppelin. So I was listening to kind of, you know, I guess they'd probably been popular 10 or 15 years before that. And, mm -hmm. then, and then I got turned on to it and it felt, felt special to me and it felt, uh, you know, a little rebellious to me because it wasn't what the other kids were listening to and because it's rebellious in, in nature and... Uh, it was just, and it wasn't disco or 80s music. Right, so, exactly. Yeah. You know, you always kind of want to be listening to something different than what your friends are listening to, sure. whether that's alternative or punk. Or in, in that particular time was uh, was that classic rock. Not a term I love, but yeah, I guess that's what it is. Well, 80s is now classic rock too, so I don't right. know well, what we're going to call it in the, you know, in the future. Yeah. Well, I also, you know, so then I, I went through some phases. So I listened to all that and I still love I still love the the Stones and the Who and 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 Zeppelin and, and all those those bands. I just think you know it's super exciting music, tons of energy and and very authentic. You know, uh, and then when I went to college or kind of right before I got into I guess the alternative music scene, I loved and still love the Smiths and New Order and Echo and the Bunny Man and um, you know just on and on Husker Du and all those different kind of funky bands from that time. And, mm -hmm. uh, and again, influenced by some new friends I made in college and, um, and love that and still love that today. And like you said, represents a period of my life. So when sure. I hear it, it just takes me back to those great days. And then I did love the music of the, uh, you know, kind of early mid nineties grunge, but I, I, I'm not a fan of Nirvana at all. Don't in, enjoy them, but I do love Pearl Jam. I love that album 10, which kind of took me back to that classic rock feel in a way, mm -hmm. super authentic and raw and tons of energy. And then today, and then I, uh, like I told you, I lived in Louisiana for a long time. So got introduced to a lot of very rootsy music, a lot of, well, there's Blues and Zydeco. Yeah. And yeah. And loved it. And, you know, uh, also loved the Allman Brothers. So I love a good jam band and, you know, all that improvisational stuff that happens. Yeah. Um, and so recently saw Tedeschi Trucks at Dr. Phil's Performing Arts Center. Phenomenal. You know, Derek Trucks being the, the nephew of, of, uh, of Butch Trucks from the Allman Brothers mm -hmm. and, of course, played with the Allman Brothers. That was phenomenal. And also loved U2 and went to the concert in, in Tampa a few weeks oh, ago. Oh, Joshua Tree? Yeah, and yeah. loved Joshua Tree. I was I was in Spain, studying in Spain the year that that came out. So again, you know, it just takes me back to that time in my life. And, you know, how am I going to change the world, change this America that was being talked about on that album? And um, yeah, so 
yeah, so all that's music that I love and hugely influential to me. So uh, you're a writer, you're a runner, uh, you uh, are a business owner, so you're the, the boss. When do you <laughs> when do you listen to music? And how, what kind of music do you listen to? So when you're running, do you listen to music or do you just like the, I, the silence and the noise of your own sweating and panting? Because <laughs> that's all I can hear when I run yeah. if I'm not listening to music. Yeah, that's, you know, it's funny. I, a lot of people give me a hard time, not give me a hard time about that, but I actually rarely listen to music when I run. I I do like the purity of it and I like to be out in nature and just... Yes, listen to myself. In the moment, yeah. <laughs> and now, especially now as I'm getting older, listen to myself pant and, and sweat. Um, but I do, yeah, I, I rarely listen to music when I run. Although, I, you know, I ran across the, the state a few state, yeah. months ago, and I did get to a point there where I just had to <laughs> kind of block everything out, and I put some headphones on and listen to, to music. And and I don't listen to music when I write because I find it distracting, and I like, to, I like that intense concentration when I'm writing. I love that feeling of being kind of in the moment that in the flow moment of writing but i listen to music in between all those things right so in the car in the uh, car yeah. and when i'm writing a proposal we'll say or when i'm doing some bookkeeping or whatever i love to listen to music and i actually love to listen to radio because i like the kind of unexpected surprise i actually like the radio more than my own playlists if that makes sense because hmm. i my playlist, I know it's coming up next. And not that I don't love that music, but. Right. And are you talking terrestrial radio or are you more on the side of like a, a channel on Spotify or Pandora or something like that? Yeah. You know, it, so I'm, I'm an old fashioned guy, but I, there's a radio station out in Paradise, California called Radio Paradise. I don't know if you heard of it, but it is by far my favorite radio station. I, it, listen to it through my computer and I mean besides WPRK yes and WPRK yeah. Yeah, yeah. and maybe sense. a couple of other local stations but um yeah I love the idea that you know I don't necessarily love every song that comes on but I like being surprised by a song and that's how you know you played Nico Case a little while ago and that's how I got introduced to Nico Case was through this radio station who will also occasionally play the Who or Led Zeppelin mm -hmm. but just this breath of music that somehow it could be current or it could be old, and somehow it all fits within my sensibilities. But I love being surprised with a, a new band or a new song that I had never heard of, and all of a sudden it's just awesome. Very good. Well, you'll be pleasantly or otherwise surprised by that CD. I think I will. I'm excited so about that. So why don't we go ahead and play some Who? All right. And I picked The Seeker because I thought that was appropriate on a number of levels. <laughs> and it's one of my favorite Who songs, so i got to be honest with you. That was... Uh, not a problem to find one. Uh, it was a problem to pick one because they yeah. obviously have so many yeah, uh, good songs. But we're going to hear The Seeker here on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Awesome. You're listening to a certain degree. The who? Is it a question mark at the end? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. That was Seeker. awesome. Yeah, thank you very much for suggesting that. That got me awake this morning. and hopefully How about that? for the couple of listeners that we do have that did the same for them. I love that line. I got values, but I don't know how or why. Think about that, huh? Ooh. On a Monday morning. Okay, that got pretty deep right there. <laughs> Good morning uh, on Deep Talk with Mark and Nick. You're listening to a certain degree <laughs> on WPRK. Uh, Mark, we're almost done. Uh, we've got a couple more things to get oh, to. Man. One of them is a pop culture and current event quiz. How do you think you're going to do on this? Um, four questions. 
probably not very well. Okay. <laughs> you, you, okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to set set expectations. Uh, you know, <laughs> level set here, right? Okay. Very good. All right. Happy Fourth of July, but also Happy Canada Day. Uh, this past weekend. Yes. So the Great White North celebrated what anniversary on this past Canada Day? Is it A, the 100th anniversary, B, the 150th, or C, the 8 millionth? <laughs> I, w- I wish it were C, but it is B. It is 150. 150 yeah. uh, so I don't know if you realize this, but you're supposed to buy for a Canadian in your life a gift today. <laughs> <laughs> or this past Canada Day. So if you didn't, there's still time. You have up to a month. Well, if we we could make an app that shames me if I haven't. Uh, That's true. I That's haven't... Do you know any Canadians besides me? Do I know any Canadians? Yes, I do, as a matter of fact. I think you should get me the gift anyway. <laughs> All right. And anybody else listening, go ahead and get me a gift. Uh, speaking of Canada, the Supreme Court there just ruled that it can ask Google and other search engines to move, remove results uh, worldwide. And so okay. uh, what are they asking Google and therefore Alphabet to remove? Uh, any results related to maple syrup from Vermont, <laughs> uh, websites belonging to a Canadian company that was illegally selling technology to another firm, or Justin Trudeau bathing suit photos? <laughs> Again, I want to say C, but I'm going to have to say B. Yeah, so uh, this is a big deal in France already. It's coming up in Canada yeah. where they want to get these search results off. Uh, but if you request and you have a good reason why you want uh, results to be eliminated, uh, they can do that. But this is the first time it's been challenged to be eliminated and taken off globally. Wow. Uh, so should we make for some very interesting things coming up? Because uh, Canadians have so much to be ashamed about. They want a lot of stuff taken <laughs> off of the web. Uh, movie props. Some big movie props sold last week. Luke Skywalker's original lightsaber was purchased by Ripley's for $450,000. Wow. And so what Star Wars prop sold for $2.76 million? Was it A, an X-Wing, B, an R2-D2, or C, an edit to the prequels without Jar Jar Binks? An X. So I already told you earlier in the show my feelings about uh, science fiction and uh, yep. and fantasy. So, so the X wing was the entire ship. Yeah, an R two D two. Yes. Or uh, they did the prequel. So you're well, familiar with the prequels. Well, I don't think there's an actual X wing, so I'm gonna have to say it's the R two D two. It is the R two D two. Although I would take, I would pay that much <laughs> for. Uh, not having Jar Jar Banks in the prequels. If you invite me back on another show, I'll tell you the story about the first and only uh, Star Wars movie that I saw, which is will give your listeners a, a good chuckle. Oh gosh, which one was I, it? Well, it was the first one. What and was that? Nineteen seventy-seven. I yep. was uh, t- nine or ten years old, and you did not care for it. Um, it was. It's a longer story than than that. Okay. It may, it may have, have to, to wait till. Uh, yeah. Okay. Right. So this isn't necessarily science fiction, but Nance, uh, NASA NASA announced yes. last week that it intends to test a system that will help asteroids avoid, uh, you know, hitting the Earth, which could be bad for us. Uh, Not one of the things that keeps me up at night. But okay. Yeah. 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 So yeah. they're going to redirect threatening asteroids, um, and of course they're NASA, so they love acronyms. Okay. So you have to guess the acronym for this okay. mission. Okay, so is it A, Powerful Ulterior Nudging Contraption, or PUNK, <laughs> uh, B, Double Asteroid Redirection Test, or DART, 
or C, the asteroid ramming meteor application with gigantic effervescent delaying <laughs> impact on Earth or Armageddon? <laughs> Again, I wish it were C, but I have a feeling it's B. It is, yeah. So there's these two asteroids that are sort of orbiting each other. Uh, they're called Didymos. Uh, I'm going to say it in Greek because it's Greek for twin. Awesome. Uh, it's a binary asteroid, and one of them is going to come a little too close. So what they're going to do in 2020 is launch basically a fridge-sized contraption. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the beginning <laughs> of all the... So, I'm sorry, 2022. Oh, okay. Well, so, we've got a good extra, yeah. five years okay. to, to be okay with it. Uh, yeah, so they're going to hit it. It's going to basically be going so fast. I don't think it's even explosive. It's yeah. just going to be going so fast that it's going to nudge it. Yeah. Just a, just a just a wee is bit. Will Smith at the controls of this thing? Is that uh, Bruce Willis? Bruce Willis. Yeah, <laughs> will be in it. Actually, he'll be in the in the refrigerator, refrigerator size contraption. contraption. Yes. Uh, his career, basically, because he hasn't <laughs> done anything in a while. I don't think. Yeah. So that was good. You got all four right. I, that was amazing. I think you're you're very good at this. You would think, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have a minute. I got to hear the Star Wars story. Oh, the Star Wars story. So. Not sure who's listening to this show, so I'm not. So I'm not sure if I should use real names or not. Nine, but. ten years old. That's the that's the ultimate Star Wars like first movie, right? You would think, right? Yeah. So, I, although even then, I don't think I was into science fiction, but still, I was invited to go see Star Wars with this friend of mine, in elementary school, and his dad, and living in Lakeland, Florida at the time, and. Um, yeah, we get into the movie theater and we sit down and like for some reason we didn't buy snacks and I thought that was a little weird, but that's okay. And we sit down and suddenly his dad pulls out of his pocket uh, three tuna fish sandwiches for us to munch on during the uh, during the movie. Pocket Sammies, yeah. <laughs> that's a there's a bad business idea. Some uh, there must be a way to monetize that. Right, right. So yeah, so that my memory of watching Star Wars for the first time, or and the only time I ever went to the movie theater to see Star Wars, uh, was uh, my buddy's dad handing me a tuna fish sandwich to eat while I watched the movie, which is just a weird, weird. So thing. this whole thing is supposed to be this this great right. event. Right. You're supposed to have snacks and sugary drinks right. and all this stuff, <laughs> and you get a pocket tuna fish sandwich. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Okay. So this explains why you couldn't answer Ex the favorite sandwich question earlier. Yeah. That. And now I have overcome my aversion to sandwiches, but I have not overcome my aversion to Star Wars. So. <laughs> Okay, well, we now know how to get somebody not to like There's got to be a way to monetize that. Absolutely. Like if you don't want your kid wanting to buy every accessory and every toy related to something. Yeah, right. Just a pocket sandwich. Yeah, right. That's good. We'll, we'll save that's that for later. Okay. That's forgivable on some level to me. Yes. Well, I have uh, I have forgiven. Uh, and that, that buddy of mine has turned out to be uh, an admiral in the Navy, by the way. And so, uh, <laughs> you know, just incredibly successful guy. I think he works on a nuclear submarine or something like that. And You should ask him if our he country I've never had that conversation. I've kind of lost touch with him, but I should reach out to him and see if he remembers that. Uh, time. So, can you eat tuna fish? I guess is the other question. I can eat. I, I can do all those things. I just can't watch Star Wars. <laughs> so, <laughs> something about it stuck, right? All right. Well, we'll take another break. Uh, let's play something related to the Fourth of July. 
Uh, this is of Montreal, ironically enough. Keep sending me black fireworks on WPRK Winter Park, Florida. Thanks, Mark. Cool. Podcasting is easy to do if you know what you're doing. When you're ready to get started, visit toacertaindegree.com for tips and tricks from someone who has been doing it a while, Nick. I'm not saying that he's old, but he is. In podcasting years. And actual years. That's toacertaindegree.com. Now back to the show. Of Montreal on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. Keep sending me black fireworks. And I think what they're saying there, the black fireworks represent sort of the fireworks that you have when you're with somebody. So not literal fireworks, but figurative, loving fireworks. Figurative fireworks are good too. Yeah, I like them. Good morning. You're listening to a certain degree. My name is Nick. This is WPRK. I'm here with Mark Freed for the final time. Oh man, today. Yeah. Oh man, the final Maybe. time. That sounds so. Yeah, that is pretty final. ultimate. Yeah. Uh, so just today, and then you're going to go about your life. I'm going to go about mine, and we'll <laughs> you know intersect again. I'm sure. I'm sure we will. So let's talk about a few of the things that you have going on, and the one specifically that I wanted to make sure we had enough time for was, and I'm going to say the full name. Okay. The Holocaust Memorial Resource and Education Center of Florida. That's it. You got it right. Yeah. Or just the uh, Holocaust Center. Yeah. That's, okay. You can go either way. That's typically what we say, yes. And you've been involved with them for how long? I've been on the board for about 10 years now. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So tell me a little bit about it, because in doing research, I was surprised to see what it, I had no idea what it was all about, to be honest with you. But I was pretty surprised to see, uh, you know, like a bullying prevention program yeah. as part of the uh, the offering there. Yeah. Uh, and it's not just about uh, the Holocaust either. There's a big part of it is the civil rights. Yeah. Big part of it is, you know, uh, stuff like that. And so later on, I think this month, you're going to have a showing of Red Tails or the center is yeah. going to have a showing of yeah. uh, Red Tails with uh, Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah. Um, you did the gym or the center did the Jim Crow hate yep. speech uh, uh, thing. It was a, uh, what was it? It was a temporary. It was an, a traveling exhibit. exhibit. That we brought Thank to you. Center. That was yeah. the word I couldn't think of, <laughs> exhibit. Uh, but yeah, so tell me a little bit about the Holocaust Center. Yeah, well, I think, you know, you hit on some of the really important points about the center, which is that we're not uh, strictly a museum, although we do have a, a museum at the center. And we are specifically not uh, uh, a history uh, museum. We are uh, a, a mission-driven organization that seeks to use the lessons of the Holocaust to create a more just and equitable society, free of racism, prejudice, bigotry, and anti-Semitism, of course, and all those things. And the important part of that is using the lessons of the Holocaust in ways that are relevant today, which is why we have a bullying prevention program. And not just a bullying prevention program, but um, but literally perhaps the, the best and most effective bullying prevention program in Central Florida, if not the entire state and beyond. Developed our own original curriculum and uh, go into middle schools and work with uh, students in sixth and seventh grade specifically because that's where we feel like we can change their, the way that they act and the way that they respond to, uh, to acts of hate or prejudice or bullying specifically in the schools. And, and right, and then working with other organizations, we did a, a tremendous program bringing together 
more than a dozen different nonprofits around the community for the 50th anniversary of the Civil Rights Act a few years ago. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of that kind of led to some of our programming around uh, around the Jim Crow era laws, which are shocking, you know, to realize that the laws that we had existing in, in our country back then were as horrible as uh, some of the prejudicial, bigoted laws that happened in, in Europe in the in the 1930s and, and 40s. So all the whole effort is to, uh, to to change societies today, not just to talk about the Holocaust as a historical event, but how do we create a better society today? So free admission. Free admission. Yeah. Uh, what, what are some of the ways that you would recommend someone interact besides going, visiting the center, that sort of thing? Well, certainly going to the center is a big part of it. We also do a lot of, of programs. This year we have been... Uh, kind of going back and inviting all the sur Holocaust survivors in our community to speak about their experience and to talk about uh, about what happened to them. Because, mm -hmm. uh, you know, sadly, within, you know, a few years, 10 years or so, we'll have no survivors left here or anywhere to, to give firsthand accounts of, of what happened in the Holocaust. So those are incredibly powerful events. What's fascinating about that is uh, every Holocaust survivor tells an entirely different story. So to think that you know what happened in the Holocaust because you read one uh, biography or, or heard one person speak, you, you haven't. Everyone had a, an incredibly different experience, and there's value in hearing each of those different stories. We've done programs on the Syrian refugee crisis. We've done programs around you know some of the things that are happening happening politically today. We've done programs around um, introducing people to the ins and outs of different types of religions so that we can be more objective and understand what we're talking about in mm -hmm. the greater context. Um, the programs are, the, the museum is wonderful. The traveling exhibits we bring are wonderful. The programs and the opportunity to, to talk to people and have conversation, that to me is the best thing. I guess one of the questions uh, some, that might come up, and I, I would actually uh, like to hear an answer on this, is that's some pretty heavy stuff. And yeah. so age-wise, <laughs> how old, like I have a 10 and a 13-year-old, would this be too much for my 10-year-old? Is this, is my 13-year-old the right age to, to really uh, interact and really understand uh, everything that's going on there? Yeah, uh, 13 for sure, 10 maybe with you, you know, going with you, 10 would be good. You know, we don't have, I, you know, to me, I don't think we have any, artifacts or any uh, historical photographs or anything that are, are too shocking, but they're going to create a conversation. They're going right. to, questions are going to come and the depth of your answer is dependent. The, the, the depth of your, an, your answer is, you know, respectful of, of whatever age the, the, the child is. But uh, yeah, even at, at 10, there's something to be learned. And there are wonderful books out there, The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, and of course, oh, sure. uh, The Diary of Van Frank, and things like that that begin to expose kids to, to what happened at that time. And then the important thing from, you know, I'm talking to you, from your standpoint, if you take your kids there, is to then relate it to, to today. Well, how did this, how did this happen in, in Eastern Europe at that time? Mm -hmm. Is there anything today that it kind of is a harbinger for that this could possibly happen. And well, what do we do about it? Yeah. What did we learn from this so that it's right. not just a period in time? It's right. something that we can, you know, hopefully right. grow. And we have, we have an educator on staff who, who helps do that as well as, you know, a number of other people on staff who, uh, who know how to make the, the lessons relevant to whatever audience they're talking to. So it's, 
it's an incredible place. It's been around for 30 plus years, started by Tess Wise, who is a survivor herself mm. and still living today. And she's a wonderful woman who had this incredible mission, this incredible vision. And it's, uh, I'm just so honored to be a part of it. And, and we have big plans for the future. And I think, you know, I think the other part that's exciting for us is that we're reflective of the values of our community, of the Orlando community, which is such an inclusive community that really respects all people and really wants to celebrate the talents of everybody, no matter where you come from, no matter what your sexual preference is, no matter what your uh, your ethnicity is. Uh, I think Mayor Dyer and his team do a great job of, of communicating that, and we are a great uh, representation of, of really the values of our entire community. I think so as well. <laughs> All right. On that, we can agree. On Good. that, finally, something. <laughs> uh, so Think Creative, Happiness Counts, where can people go for more information about uh, both of those ventures? I'll share those, and I'm going to share one other. So sure. Think Creative is thinkcreativeinc.com. You can learn all about our team and our culture and our work and, and what we do to, uh, to, to build brands and to create marketing programs for clients everywhere from hospitality to healthcare to real estate to uh, bad business ideas to bad business ideas yeah, right. coming to apps, you guys. Apps, apps to shame people and yeah, to, to doing what you want them all to of do them now so thinkcreativeinc.com is that uh, happinesscounts.com which is really is, is still a part of, of, of think creative and uh, that's happinesscounts.com is the URL there and I think I kind of briefly referenced one of the things that we started doing a few years ago is that my all of our uh, full-time team members at Think Creative get what we call a 40-hour sabbatical. So they get... Oh, yeah. I forgot to ask you about that. Yes, thank yeah. you. So they get, uh, or we get a week to go pursue some goal, dream, idea, something that we've always wanted to do with our lives. And what I tell my team is that that's a time for them to go put the same kind of time and energy that they would put into coming to the office, but to do something that they've always wanted to do for themselves. And we have a website around that, which is 40hoursabbatical.com. And you'll see all kinds of different projects that my team has done from learning to play the guitar and record original music to learning to scuba dive to going on solo hiking trips to learning about beer, uh, learning another language. They've done all kinds of incredible things. And um, that's part of, our, part of our culture and part of our values mm -hmm. to help people to grow and be the best version of themselves they can be. That's fantastic. So 40hoursabbatical.com, thinkcreativeinc.com, happinesscounts.com, and the Holocaust Center, you can find it at holocaustedu.org. Perfect. All right, Mark, it's been How'd a pleasure. And Oh, you did great. <laughs> it was fantastic. I need that positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah, know? yeah. I'll tell you how you did off air. Oh, but yeah, on air, right. you did fantastic. <laughs> Let's pretend to shake hands on air. That's good. That's good. Because okay. no one can see us, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, so, Mark Fried, thank you so much. Uh, yeah. And everyone out there, this uh, ver this podcast will be up at some point. If you missed any of it, you shouldn't. And you can make up for it by listening later on my site, to a certain degree.com. Cool. And I'll have this up uh, later this week. Thank you, Nick. This was, this was a blast. I really had a fun thank time you. here. I'm glad you did. We'll listen to some broken social scene on the way out. This is the uh, Pacific theme on WPRK, Winter Park, Florida. You've been listening to a certain degree. And that's the show. More on Mark Freed and Think Creative can be found on the World Wide Web at thinkcreativeinc.com.
happinesscounts.com. You can also visit happinesscounts.com to learn more about why happiness counts. And remember, don't worry, be happy. But if you're worried, that's fine. Happiness is a process.